0: Hi, I'm Chris Nessie from the House of EdTech podcast, a part of the Education Podcast Network, just like the show you're listening to right now. Shows on the network are individually owned and opinions expressed may not reflect others. Find other interesting education podcasts at edupodcastnetwork.com.
1: Hey, good morning, everybody. I hope you guys are all having a wonderful Saturday. Thank you so much for joining us this Saturday, as always, Wednesdays and Saturdays here on My EdTech Life. And today we've got a wonderful, wonderful uh, show. I'm just really excited to talk to my friend Gabriel here. He's an amazing uh, instructional tech, uh, educational technology uh, coordinator, coach. I mean, he's done it all. Uh, He's an excellent podcaster and definitely a foodie, which is great when I get to meet foodies. And we're just going to have a great conversation here about edtech, podcasting, food and whatever comes our way so i'm just really excited so thank you guys for joining us uh, joining us live on twitch on uh, facebook you're here on youtube as well and so just make sure you follow us on all our social media outlets and we definitely appreciate that but let's go ahead and get started here i'm highly caffeinated and ready to chat so here you go gabriel how are you doing today
0: I'm doing well, man. Thank you very much for the opportunity to be on the show. I appreciate it. And um, I'm ready to go, man. I'm ready to podcast.
1: Awesome. That's that's what it's all about. Well, Gabriel, let's go ahead and just get started here for those uh, audience members that are tuning in for the first time. Maybe they're not familiar with your work. Just uh, introduce yourself. Tell us a little bit about yourself, your context and education. And if you don't mind adding something interesting about you that people may not know.
0: Sounds good. So my name is Gabriel Carrillo. I'm an instructional technology specialist here in San Antonio. However, I'm not from San Antonio. I'm from born and raised in San Diego, California, and then uh, my wife and I rolled the dice, made a move to Arizona. Spent eleven years there. Rolled the dice again. And decided to come to Texas, just like that. So, and who knows where we'll be in the next six years? So, um, it's a little bit about me. I all I know is education. I've been an instructional assistant. I've been a substitute teacher. I've been a teacher. I've been an assistant principal. Um, and fit into this role I think best as an instructional technology specialist. I also uh, present at conferences, FETC, IST, things like that as well. And in 2017, I launched EdTech Bites, marrying my two passions: educational technology and food, or the love of cooking, if you want to call it that. So uh, those are the. That's a little bit about me. You can catch, you can catch the podcast on any podcast platform, catching app out there. EdTech Bites, and um, recently launched EdTech Bites in Español for uh, all the Spanish speaking. Henta out there who want to get their uh, edtech or want to get their edtech on and uh, learn a little bit more about food and the importance of food in the home.
1: There you go, man. Well, that is awesome, Gabriel. I really appreciate you being here. I know I've been a longtime follower, you know, through social media, been a big fan of your work, your podcasting, and actually, you know, just uh, actually, I think it all started through Instagram when I kind of found you on Instagram, started following you, started following your work, and I'm like, man, this is this is really cool because at the time I really didn't know much about podcasting, but I think like right at that time, that's when uh, I started following you on Instagram. And then I was like, Hey, you know, I, I want to do this. So I want to thank you for that, you know, because you're one of those people that I followed that definitely helped, uh, you know, push me and, and in this direction and doing shows and podcasting. And so thank you so much for that and for all the other people that you've uh, helped influence and helped through your podcast. So, Yeah, definitely grateful for people like you that have a passion for education. So, Gabriel, let's talk a little bit uh, more about your background now. You know, you've seen you've been in education pretty much. That's what you said you've always known. But what exactly inspired you to be an educator or get into education?
0: Well, I can actually still recall in second grade at my elementary school, we're sitting there on the floor on the rug carpet and the teacher started talking about you know what you want to be when when you grow up you know that typical conversation when you grow up what do you want to be what do you want to be and then he asked the question first male educator mind you this is my first male educator um we'll get to that in a little bit later uh asked how many of you would like to be a teacher not one student rose their hand i did And I knew from that point and on from that point on that I wanted to be an educator. Why? Because I was the only one who rose his hand. And as I got older, I started realizing that I still wanted to be an educator, but I wanted to be an educator for different reasons. I wanted to become an educator and to be a teacher so that students wouldn't have certain experiences that I and some of my friends had as well. We've all, we all have our favorite teachers. We all have our favorite, favorite moments in education, our favorite experiences in the classroom as a student. And we also have those that we'll never forget because maybe we were uh, belittled in front of a classroom, in front of our peers. Maybe we just didn't understand and the teacher kept moving forward maybe we weren't interested we weren't engaged so as I progressed through the years I realized you know what I want to be a teacher because I want to be the teacher who actually I don't want students to end up with that experience that I had wow. so that's a little bit about about why uh this became a passion and then as obviously as I got older got married had kids and I started looking at it through a different lens you know every time I would walk into a classroom I, I mentioned a little bit earlier that I was an assistant principal for two years Every time I walked into a classroom to discuss something with a teacher, to walk through kind of thing, get to know the students, the number one question I would always ask myself is Would I want my kids in this class? So I started looking at it through a different lens, and that passion just kind of grew. And you know, it, it not only grew up, but it grew outwards as far as the different ideas, concepts, and reasons. But uh, the passion has always been there. And like I said, all I know is education. Literally, the moment I graduated high school and become an instructional assistant. Um, I graduated from San Diego state university and was able to be a substitute teacher. So I graduated on a Friday. I was a substitute teacher in the same district and the same school I was working at on Monday. So I just, I kept pushing and kept going forward.
1: Wow. Hey, if you don't mind, I just want to ask a little bit and to what you were mentioning those experiences. And, you know, it just so happens that the last couple of, uh, shows that I've done and spoken to uh, the guests, they've all mentioned, you know, positive experiences, you know, when they can recall, like, oh, this is it, you know, and I know you mentioned and uh, you said, you know, have those experiences or you don't want people to go through some experiences. And you mentioned some examples. If you don't mind me just asking, you know, is there one particular example that you can recall saying, hey, you know what, like, I, I don't want anybody else to go through this? Because I mean, it, it's the reality. I mean, we, we paint education as, you know, everything's all good and and things of that sort. But there are those moments where a teacher can definitely affect a, a student in, in in a negative way, or maybe just kind of maybe, you know, turn that flame off of a passion or something that they were interested in just because of, of an experience. So if you don't mind, you know, it was, is there a particular experience that, that you can recall? There's a couple of them. The one that I'll bring up <clears throat>
0: It's one of the ones that kind of solidified it. Uh once in high school, I don't recall if I was a sophomore or a freshman, um, but the teacher for that particular class had like an aide, a student aide in her class, and him and her got back went back and forth in a joking manner, and obviously in front of the entire class, and then it kind of got out of hand on his part, which made Oh, I don't know. A teenager blow up, you know, somebody who's not necessarily in control of their emotions and their actions and they act on instinct rather than thinking through and putting it through filters. So she responded, she started going back at him. And then he kind of literally yelled at her and threw her out of the class right there in the middle of everything. You know, you got to think about it from a 16, 17 year old point of view. You just put me down. You started something in front of my peers in front of my, uh, my, the people who I go to football games with, the people who I hang out with. You started something. I went right back at you. You upped the ante. So did I. You hurt my feelings, took it a step further and belittled me in front of at that point, at that point in your life your peers are your everything. I mean, I talk to parents all the time and one of the things I tell them is after about fifth grade, once you hit about the middle of fifth grade, the parents and the teachers are no longer the people who they want to please. It's all about how do I look in front of my peers? That's why kids don't raise their hands. That's why they don't volunteer. That's why they act out sometimes because it's all about how am I going to look in front of my peers? And he did that in front of the class and absolutely belittle her. I, I, she probably felt this small walking out of the classroom. And I was like, man, this is. I thought some words I'm not going to say on your show because we're going to keep it clean. But I was uh, I was upset. I was upset. And I was like, man, I I can't believe a teacher's doing this. Nevertheless, a male teacher, there's not many of us in this profession. I tell people all the time that I work in a female dominated profession. Mm -hmm. We are outnumbered by far. And I think that we need more males, more positive males, more positive male role models for our students. So that's one of the reasons that I got into it. And as I got, uh, you know, I hate to use the term climbing up the ladder, but as I progressed and started making a greater impact on a greater amount of students through uh, the use of educational technology and going to multi-campuses. That's when I really, as I go through more and more, it's like when I start seeing that stuff, you know, I, I get a sinking, that gross feeling in your gut. And I just, I, I can't do it. You know, I, I got in this to engage students, to give them experiences that they will never forget in a positive way and to help them understand who they are, what they react to, what they don't react to, how to get up and dust themselves off when they fall down and how to look at the big picture. Those are the big things that we need to start looking at education is we need to stop belittling these students in front of their peers. I mean, and you know, don't ever, ever, ever get into a power struggle with a student in front of their peers, arguing back and forth, you take the high road, you keep your mouth shut at the end of class. Maybe you pull that kid out in the hallway or what have you, or when there's an independent activity going on, you pull them out, you have a one-on-one discussion Mm -hmm. with them, discussion, that means back and forth. Here's my opinion, here's how I feel, tell me yours, let's see where we can fix this, boom. And you have a better understanding of each other and most of all, respect in front of the other kids. So there you go. I can yeah. go off
1: on a tangent on this stuff. No, but. no. And it's all good, man. Like you say, Hey, you know, it is what it is. It's a, that's the flow of the show and things of that sort. But I, I completely agree with you. And I know Omar just mentioned right now. Thank you, Omar. And thank you, Katie. You know, Omar giving a shout out here as far as uh, you know, that's why relationships are so important to begin with. And of course, Katie also giving you props on the mic. I know Katie uses uh, the road mic also as well. So thank you guys for joining us. But, you know, I agree with you. One of those things, those things are so important is just to have that relationship. And I agree with you, Gabriel. It's, you know, being a, through my experience, falling into teaching and just falling in love with teaching, you know, starting in high school and then moving down to elementary. And in elementary, I think once I moved down from high school math to elementary math and science and social studies, that's really where I kind of honed in, I think, more of my skills, you know, not going through a college of education. It was teaching was my education. This is the way that I learned seeing other peers and being in a female dominated, you know, uh, work. You know, it, it was very difficult at first, but I think it's it was the, the relationship. And I think from and I always say my my marketing background, learning how to sell yourself and know your customers and knowing, meeting the middle ground, knowing that, you know, you're not going to be everybody kid's cup of tea, and Mm -hmm. not every student is going to be great, but finding that middle ground, having those talks, and, you know, just uh, building that community, and and understanding one another, something that is definitely very important, and I think you hit on, on just some great, great points there through this experience, as it could be something that is useful not only for myself, but our listeners, and, you know, things that they may be seeing, and, and it's unfortunate sometimes when you have educators that can, you know, really just either through their words, their actions can just put out a spark, put out a fire that those students had and can lead them, you know, maybe in a different direction, you know, d- discourage them and things of that sort. And, you know, we, we definitely need more positive, more positivity in the in the school setting. And one of the things that uh, I watched actually yesterday a uh, very powerful little video it was it's about 3 years old is rethinking giftedness too as well and you know there's there's teachers that uh see things very differently you know and and just because maybe a student may not know or understand the subject matter right away they think like oh you know there's issues here there's issues there and they kind of go and I don't know, just to put them in, in things that they shouldn't because they don't give them the time or they feel frustrated. And, you know, I know it's going off on a tangent there too, but it kind of goes a little bit with this where, you know, what has been your experience with that? Maybe just uh, on that aspect, you know, maybe teachers already coming in with, you know, oh, you're going to get him in first grade. Oh, you're going to get him in third grade. Oh, be careful with this because this is the way they are. And this is the way they are. You know, what was your experience with that? Did you you know have that where teachers would tell you oh you better be careful with that kid but then it turned out that that kid was probably one of the brightest kids that you might have had
0: yeah it's preconceived notions it's you know you're already kind of setting them up for failure it's like you know um, I worked with a teacher actually a couple teachers had to say that at the beginning of the day when the kid would walk in that you know maybe a, a kid who always spoke out at a turn a kid who interrupted maybe bugged other kids, other students, interrupted them and interrupted the class flow. They, at the beginning of the day, they would proudly say and show the student, I already have a referral wrote up for you. If you keep acting up, all I'm going to do is write what you're doing and send you to the principal's office. That's how a kid is starting their day at about 745 in the morning. That That right there is, is unacceptable. And I saw that I got a lot of the, Oh, you're going to have this kid. Uh, Good luck. Good luck with him or good luck with his parents or her parents or what have you. It's, I can't believe that that's going on. How would you like, (laughs) you know, if you transfer to another school, how would you like for me to go behind your back and tell the staff members or your appraiser, watch out for this one, you know, it, you're already setting them up for failure. You're giving preconceived notions and you're already starting to embed some, some thoughts and some opinions in people's heads without the, I mean, I mean, it's cliche to say, don't judge a book by its cover, but it's kind of like before you even see the cover, you're judging the book before that book he was even put on the shelf for you to see. So it's i've had experiences with that and and again that's that stuff that as educators it's very easy for us to get caught up into that negativity we live in such a world of negativity um, that it's almost second nature to us i mean when's the last time people showed you a video of uh, successes accomplishments no when's the last time you saw a video on fails All the time. It comes up on your feet all the time. You know, uh, epic fails, you know, we we thrive. We love to see people fail. We love to see people fall and and have things happen to them. It's very rarely that we show people videos and things and appraise people for their accomplishments and the great things that they're doing. And that's something that, that we have to foster. And it starts at home. It really does. It starts at home. We have to foster that with our own children at home. Um, you know, on my social media, I don't, you're, you're not going to find many pictures of my face on social media. You will probably never see a picture of my child on social media, either one of the two. Why? Because I'm not proud of them. Absolutely not. But social media is a choice. It's all about choice. When you start seeing pictures of, you know, three month olds in bathtubs with their mommies and daddies, it's cute. It's cute. But how is that picture going to haunt them in 10 years? Yeah. So, social media is all about choice. And uh, I know I'm kind of going off on a tangent, but no, you're it, good. it all starts at home. It all starts at home. Mm-hmm. The way that we treat our students, the things that we expose them to, uh, the things that we celebrate versus the things that we highlight that are failures that is what they're going to take back to the classroom and into their everyday lives i don't show my kids pictures of failures and things like that in videos all the time i show them things that are positive i try to even with my podcast um one of my oldest my oldest son he kind of helps produce it with me at times because like, he's getting into um like video production and things like that at the high school so i want to be able to show him this is the things that, these are the positive things that are I'm doing with social media and my uh, my digital footprint, my imprint on society. So at any point, he could look at any one of my social media feeds and be proud of what's on there and not have to worry about uh, me going off on somebody or somebody left, you know, somebody was walking their dog in the neighborhood and left this and that and the other. Mm-hmm. I can't stand when people do that. I'm sorry. But, and I'll say it here. I'll say here if you ever post something about in social media about me you come see me in person don't do that rat stuff I'm sorry I, I don't do very well with that so that's the stuff that we need to be showing our kids and if we do that at home we're more than likely going to take that back to our professional settings and maybe turn the conversation of you know what that student right there that student that's on your roster for next year try this they, they respond really well to this. Uh, yeah. They gave me some issues, but you know, they responded really well. I had some great conversations with the parent and they brought up some things that uh, some, some uh, strategies and that, that really work at home. Those are the conversations we need to be having. Not this, watch out for this, watch out for yeah. that. Good luck with that next year. Oh, he's your problem. He's not my problem next year. And I hate to use the word he, he, he all the time, but you know, it mostly happens with uh, kids. Yeah. Quote unquote, boys will be boys. Uh, which I don't buy into either, but that's a whole nother story.
1: So, yeah. yeah. No, but I mean, you, you hit on some great, great points here and you're talking about also social media. And actually, you know, this is one of the things that I love doing, working with our district is we have parent meetings, Technology Tuesdays, and we talk about uh, digital citizenship. And and the purpose of these lessons are to educate parents, both in English and in Spanish, to what is out there or or just tools on how to have those conversations with their kids at home and you hit on one of them there that I talk about sharing teen, which is parents oversharing. you know and there's a stat that you know by the age of like maybe about two you know kids are going to have you know over two thousand pictures of them on social media and you're already building their footprint as their a parent profile, yeah yeah that, you're, can't you're already...
0: that can't be undone
1: Yeah, that cannot be undone, like you said, because all those pictures are out there. But the what can happen five years, 10 years, 15 years, 20 years, when somebody gets upset, somebody gets mad, they find a picture, they turn it into a meme. And there you go. It's in junior high, you've got the cyberbullying, you've got all of that and how it affects that. So those are some things that yeah, you know, we need to be careful, you know, with parents and and sharing that with them and, and those tools. So there's definitely a, a lot of great resources that are out there and I'll share some with you I mean I have a Wakelet collection and if it if it helps you with what you do or maybe even in sharing that'll that'll be great too cuz there's some videos there for English and Spanish for for parents but I like what you said you know that flipping the conversation and saying hey here's what worked here's what didn't because honestly it, it it was always those conversations of be careful with this one be careful with that one or this or the mom or the dad and so on but sometimes i wonder is like did did you take enough time to get to know the student also as well as teachers I know it's like, well, we've got to stick to the curriculum. We don't have enough time to build community. I was like, wrong. I was like, uh, you you do have enough time to build community. You know, at the beginning of the year, setting expectations, getting to know your students, even throughout lessons, there's always teachable moments. And I think one of the things that helped me as as an educator and especially honing those skills in an elementary was the ability to understand, number one, if I made a mistake to just immediately stop, talk it over apologize if I needed to apologize or just say, hey, guys, you know what? I messed up on this lesson. Let's just stop right here and we'll revisit this, you know, maybe tomorrow and things of that sort and just build that sense of community where now these are your stakeholders here. These are my kids that are depending on me, but we're going to go through this together. And sometimes the behavior, one of the one of the things that I did run into, and I don't know, being a male teacher, I don't know if you if you can also have some or recall any of these experiences, but the the one kid that was a troublemaker for the other female teachers, but when they came to you, man, the kid was awesome. The kid, you know, still, yeah, had, you know, their their little moments, but they were able to work well with you. Why do you think that is?
0: It all depends on how you treat them. It yeah. all depends on how you treat them. I mean, I I've seen instances with my own two eyes of kids going into, you know, those quote unquote. Uh, troublesome kids or what have you going into classrooms where they respond ridiculously well to the female teacher, where they respond horribly with a male teacher and they respond really well to that older female teacher that they might kind of see as a, uh, you know, a mother figure or a grandmother figure. And it's all about how you talk to kids. You know, if, if you live by the rule of don't smile till December, good luck. Good luck. Um, if you don't smile to December, your kids are going to be hating life, which is in turn going to change that energy in your classroom and make it so that, uh, yeah, you don't smile to December and you're also probably going to be resigning in December as well. Cause you're going to absolutely hate it. So you have to build relationships with students. You have to talk to them, um, as, as a student, as a teacher and as a student, as a mentor, as a counselor, as a therapist, as an everything, you fill in the blank, you know, because that's essentially what we are in the classroom, Yeah, all and, of that And then some,
1: Oh, um, I agree with you.
0: Yeah. So it, it's all about how you talk to students. You know, um, there's a saying that, you know, um, the students have to earn your respect and you have to earn theirs kind of thing. Now you have to respect them. The second they walk in the class, we are fighting for their respect. So, what are you going to do to gain the respect of those students? And it could be something as simple as a conversation. It could be something as as simple as celebrating the heck out of a C plus on an exam or something. But what are you going to do to earn the respect of your students?
1: Yeah, I like what you said there too. Uh, there was a recent video I saw where a, a student, you know, said they asked the question. It's like, why do you behave differently with that particular teacher than when you come here? And pretty much what they said is, I just give back what they give me. So it, I was just like, oof, that, that, that hit, you know, I, I'm actually hitting from a, or hearing it from a student, you know, you never, you, I never thought about that. I was just, you know, all my kids come in, it's like, hey, how's everybody doing? Shake hand in the morning. And like you said, just celebrating and just talking to them and getting to know them and great build relationships with parents i mean i was calling parents just to let them know how great their kid is doing and even like you said celebrating those small victories but you're opening up those lines of communication and that really helped build that community within my classroom and then the students just all got along very well you know sometimes you had students that they would tell you to, oh, they don't get along man, they'd come in class, they'd be working together and, you know, because they got to know each other more. And so that's the beautiful part about education there. So I don't know, man, but thank you for sharing those experiences and seeing things through that lens. And But now let's go back to a little bit more of, of your role now as an educational technology specialist. You know, of course, the crazy year that we've been having, you know, tell us about how this year has been for you. Some wins, maybe some obstacles, and maybe how you've overcome those obstacles for this year
0: yeah so i mean my role is a little bit of everything um i do i'll do a little bit of uh, tech troubleshooting you know that there's no way of getting around that you, you know when you walk into a teacher's class or what have you pass by in the hallway hey this doesn't work or i forgot how to i forgot the setting for this you know um it comes with the territory um and there's also professional development i do a lot of professional development within our district um however the big big role that we have is coaching. So my job is to take teachers on a coaching cycle to, to basically innovate their instruction. And the role, you know, our mission and vision is to help teachers innovate instruction so that they, their students have the skills to thrive in society. And, you know, ultimately are, we want students to see value and meaning in the work that they're doing. So we do that through the means of coaching, you know, so I work side by side with teachers, they present a unit or even better, they present a problem that they might have like, man, I'm really struggling to get my students to turn their cameras on in zoom. I'm really struggling with student engagement. I'm really struggling with anyone to type anything into the chat. So I've been working with teachers and we're taking little challenges and we're taking different approaches for the different challenges and different strategies and working with them in tandem, side by side, not top down and working to, to, um, overcome those challenges. You know, a lot of it has been student agency and student, uh, engagement. And there's also some pedagogy stuff in there. Like, Hey, I really, really want to do some. When I really want to do like some learning boards. I, I want students to take ownership of the work and I want them to have pride in their work and turn it in. Ultimately I'm having, you know, I'm getting a 30% turn in um, percentage for assignments and projects. So I need to up that. So we take, we take a look at what they're doing. We take a look at some of their challenges and then we together work on like a smart goal what they want to accomplish. We give ourselves a timeline and then we work together. So that's really the bulk of my work right there is um, that. So what we're doing is essentially we're taking the professional development that we used to do on a larger scale, you know, one and done kind of thing. Uh, you got your hours, you can check that box, and then now you're off to forget everything we just did and talked about. And we're taking that back into the classroom. That way we're working with them and helping them integrate through anywhere between like a four-week to an eight-week process. Nice. Well,
1: that I mean, that's amazing. Now, how about what size of the school district are you assigned to one school or do you work across several campuses?
0: I'm assigned to three different schools, a middle school, a high school, actually a middle school and two high schools. And our district is, I want to say 64 campuses. It's a very large district. Um, and we have, uh, a little bit over like 59,000 students in our district right now. So I'm assigned to three campuses and, um, there's, they're all secondary. So, uh, When I am needed for something else at a different campus, I will go, you know, I do a lot of OBS and things like that streaming. So people know in our department that if there's ever something with live streaming, live streaming a YouTube, Twitch, like we were doing here, or uh, using OBS um, to do some virtual background stuff with students or with teachers, they know that they can call me. We could set up an appointment and I could travel to one of those other campuses and help them out. So I do a lot of that as well, but primarily I'm housed at three different campuses that are actually in close proximity to each other.
1: Nice. Now, as far as, uh, you know, what you share with the teachers now, where do you yourself draw the inspiration from, you know, to get the tools? I mean, to develop yourself, to be able to have those tools readily available to go out and present them to your teachers, letting them know like, Hey, this could work this way. This could work that way. Where do you get your professional development from?
0: Well, I listen to a lot of podcasts. I uh, I've been consuming podcasts since about 2014, 2015. Uh, which is why I decided to start in 2017. Um, I do. A, I learn a lot on social media, a lot of YouTube stuff, and then there's always the. Huh. I wonder if a lot. I have a lot of those those moments. You know, or my brain goes like a mile a minute sometimes, and I might be in the middle of a bike ride. I might be in the middle of a walk. I might be picking up my dog's business in the in the backyard kind of thing, and I just get hit with something like I've I've never thought of maybe doing this with this, taking it over here and then I start going off on a tangent. So there's a lot of that stuff that I do as well. Um, so I get inspiration from everywhere. You know, I look at my, my PLNs, uh, my networks, my, uh, I listen to a lot of podcasts. A lot of them are not educational. However, I do get inspired by, uh, by anything and everything i see what's going on in the classrooms and i also see what's not going on in the classrooms when my kids come home hey how's school man gosh it was boring you know we got a book off the shelf we grabbed a worksheet and we did this and it's like oh man. so uh i get a lot of inspiration from that as well for my kids
1: well that's good i mean and it's always great to like you said, you know, you're looking outside, looking through different lenses, seeing what's out there. And I think for, for myself, too, I agree with you. Like, you know, my the PLNs have been amazing. Social media, Twitter has been amazing, you know, making those connections. And, you know, that really helps you grow as an educator and be able to translate some of those ideas into the classroom. And, of course, adding your own little seasoning to it, which we'll talk a little bit about Right now when we talk uh, about food and uh, the podcasting. But let's get into that. You know, you mentioned podcasting. And like I said, you were one of the very first podcasts that I started listening to. And just like I I was like, wow, this is I, I had never heard about podcasting prior to actually like listening to your podcast. And then after that, I started listening to others. And I was like, wow, like these are people that are just sharing their goods. They're sharing like the awesome sauce and they're they're like. Giving it away for free, and so it was just amazing, you know. And it really helped uh, in my professional growth and personal growth as well. As you know, even those ideas and that people throw out there through podcasts, whether it's educational or non-educational, are for me like I like to say they're they're cross-curricular as well in yeah. my personal in my personal way as well, where I can use them in different ways and also with school. So let's talk a little bit about that podcast, the the, the, ins, the inspiration, the that moment when you said, hey, you know what? I've got something here. I'm just going to click record. What drew you to that moment to just click record and bring EdTech Bytes to life? Well,
0: I, like I said, I started learning about podcasting a while back um, when uh, 2014, 2014. 15 I think I was and I listened to a lot of stuff that was not educational because let's be honest back then there were not a lot of educational podcasts and uh, one of the first educational podcasts I listened to was um, House of EdTech with Chris Nessie. So uh, I started listening to it and there was not a lot in that space. So then I started getting ideas like okay I could do this too but what my biggest fear was copycat syndrome. I did not want to copy anything that was out there. I did not want anyone to call me out on, so I, I took this idea from someone. So I had the conversation with my wife. What am I going to do different to be in my own niche area, to be in my own space, contributing to this overall. Idea of education and ed tech, but what is going to set me apart? And uh, we just, you know, I, lo- I love to cook. That's one of my things, you know, when I come home, take the shoes off and I go right into the kitchen, wash my hands, and we get cooking. You know, many times we cook together, my wife and I. Many times it's that uh, sometimes it's me and one of the boys or both of the boys. Sometimes it's all four of us. Sometimes it's me alone but I love to cook. You know, there's, there's, there's a lot to be said, at least with me, with gathering ingredients, getting the utensils, turning on the stove, things like that. That stuff helps me decompress. And what makes me feel really good about cooking is our kids are seeing that not everything has to come from a restaurant. Not every meal you consume has to be in a vehicle. Not every meal you consume, you consume was dropped off at your front door. Make something now that way, you're in control of the ingredients. You're in control of the sugar. You're in control of the carbohydrates. You're in control of the sodium, and you're not eating a bunch of garbage. And make it your own. So I got the idea, like, hey, well, what if I do something with cooking, with food? And I started going down the rabbit hole of um, what, how can I possibly do this? How can I pull this off? Um, and I wanted to do something. It's funny because uh, I wanted to do something along the lines of. Comedians and Cars Getting Coffee, before Comedians and Cars Getting Coffee came out. So Jerry Seinfeld, somehow you got in here and you took that idea from me. (laughs) Uh, I'm just kidding. But I I had that idea. I wanted to do video. I wanted to do video as well. I wanted to go out and do things with people and maybe also bring them here and do something with people as well here. Um, And then I quickly found out how expensive that would be. And I thought, okay, why don't I just lay the groundwork first? And after, oh, so, so I started brewing on the idea of, of food with ed tech. And I thought, okay, this is definitely my niche. And then after that, you know, I have a very good, I have, I'm very good at talking myself out of things in my head when I start getting started. Um, I just, oh, I'll do it later, I'll do it later, I'll do it later, You know, next summer, next summer. And my wife, uh, you know, we were laying in bed one night about to go to sleep and we were, I was thinking of titles and then she was like, what about EdTech Bytes? And I thought, wow, that's a really good title. I like it. And I was like, okay, I could do this. I started looking at uh, equipment. I was like, oh man, that's going to be a lot. And she just told me, just do it, just do it. So I ordered the equipment. On Amazon, 2000, June 2017, got it, started playing around with it, started getting to know it. And once I started, you know, once I go down a rabbit hole, like I don't stop. So I started figuring out, okay, how am I going to edit? Boom, here's, you know, I, I'm familiar with this, I'm familiar with that. And I just started. I just started my first episode, rec- recorded at IST 2017 here in San Antonio with uh, Edward Zelarayan from Nearpod. I interviewed him. We had empanadas, uh, while at IST, and that was my first episode. I got some good feedback and, uh, I've been doing it ever since. And, you know, I've done a couple of, uh, live cooking tutorials, um, streamed live. Um, and, uh, my overall goal is to bring a lot more video into it, um, in the kitchen. That way we're cooking together as well. But, you know, there's, there's a lot to be said with, with, uh, the nourishment of the body and the brain as well so that's where the idea came it's my my passion for for cooking so
1: and that's great and what i love too is just like you said you know it's just breaking bread you're breaking bread with family you're breaking bread with friends you're having great conversations and that's the one thing that i love you know it's you know your episodes and everything getting to watch that it's like you really feel like you. i'm there at the dinner table just having a casual conversation and carrying on, you know, and, and I think that you really, I, that's one thing that I really admire that, you know, you, you had that vision, you mixed your passions and you came up with something that is truly wonderful. And again, you know, guys, if you haven't checked it out, make sure you check it out. I've been popping the link in on the the chat and it'll definitely be on the show notes and everything, but you definitely need to check out those, those shows. Uh, I know recently you saw like the pizza episode, you know, I know you had uh, Carl Hooker on, Yes. right? I hope I pronounced the last name right. I I have a bad thing about pronouncing names incorrectly. But that's really awesome, you know. And and honestly, the conversations are great, and they really are inspiring. It's just really just cool, wholesome things that you can uh, definitely relate to. And one thing that I can relate to and that, that I've noticed, too, is you mentioned Chris Nessie. He's one of the first podcasts also that I listened to, House of Ad Tech. And I remember him saying, too, it's like his wife just told him, just record, you know, and then you yourself, too. Your wife said, hey, just do it, record, just buy the equipment. And, uh, you know, before I did my first episode on April 10th, the same thing. It's like my wife's like, yeah, just do it, record, yeah. you know, so just get your stuff and, and go. And I was like, you know, so that's really cool, too. I said, I like that. You know, yeah. it's like our wives are really like like just pushing us to, to really uh, excel at this. Yeah. yeah, yeah, Yeah,
0: And that's actually, um, you know, thank you very much for for the the comments on the show and the fact that you you said that uh, my podcast is one of the first that you listen to. I appreciate it. Thank you very much. And uh, it feels good to know that I can inspire other people as well. And, you know, the tagline of the show is the best conversations happen when we break bread with great people. That's really what it's all about. Don't tell me what you ate, but tell me who you ate with and what you spoke about.
1: Yeah. And, you know, I, I, one thing that really resonates with me with with that line is as an educator, learning and seeing things, it's your students remember not the not the teachers that helped them pass the star test. They remember the teachers that created a learning experience for them. And so that to me, I just found that parallel and I was like, "Dang, dude! Like, that's such a—it's just deep. It's deep. And at least that for myself, I, I found that really deep. And I was like, man, 'Man, that, that—that is really cool, man.' So There's I just really, really dig it.
0: back layers of the onion, man.
1: Yeah, yeah, for <laughs> sure.
0: Onion and cook something with it too.
1: <laughs> awesome, man. So, all right. So let's go ahead and talk a little bit here. Just want to ask you some stuff here. It's like, what advice would you share with other people that would like to follow a similar path in in education? We'll we'll do that first and then it, with podcasting as well. So let's ty- tackle on education. What what advice would you share with others that would like to follow in a similar path?
0: Well, go with your heart and go with your gut. If it feels right, do it. I mean, if you, if you have a passion for working with exceptional students in the means of special ed or gifted or 504, uh, because maybe you have a personal uh, attachment to that, then By all means, go for it. If your passion is working with those uh, second language learners, those ESL students, um, then do what feels right. Do what's going to make you come home at night and say, I can check off the box for today because I know that I did what I was supposed to do, what I was put on here to do, uh, and I did it well. So if it feels right, do it. Don't follow the fads. Don't get into admin because everyone else around your circle is getting into admin if it doesn't feel right. Do what is going to make you happy and do um, do what's going to make you feel good in your heart. So if you're going down the path of education, just know that that path might change. Also, your, your five-year plan might look different in six months or in two and a half years. So if your five-year plan is to become an administrator and two years down the road, you start looking down the path of maybe, you know what, maybe... I'm really liking this educational technology stuff. I'm starting to go to conferences and things like that. And I'm starting to get into that. Then don't be mad at yourself or upset or uh, try to stray off of that new path because you found something new. Rewrite that five-year plan and just know that be fluid, change, go along with what you feel is right. That's, that's what I definitely would say. And then also, because I see this as well, when the passion's gone, get out, get out Get out ASAP. You are not doing our students a favor by sticking in to get that 10 year tenure package or what have you, or because you want to ride out the next couple of years and collect a paycheck while you work on this. That is not fair to other people's children. If the
1: passion is gone, then get out. Wow, that's very powerful. And I agree with you on that sense. You know, it, it's when that passion is there and that's actually it, that you mentioned that my very first job i mean coming out of college i i didn't want to be an educator uh, at all whatsoever even though during college i worked as an avid tutor for the high school i graduated with and i was working with students teaching math and tutoring and whatnot but nah, that was that's not for me man like i wanted the big bucks so i was like all right let's go to business school let's do marketing And then, of course, you you get that fork in the road where, you know, I had to make a decision. And based on personal reasons, you know, at that time, my dad, you know, fell sick. And so I just had to be more available. And then that's why I tell people, it's like I fell into education and there has and I fell in love with it. And prior to this, my previous job that I had had working for this company, it was like, like, I have to get up to go to work. It was those. In my 15 years now in education, there still has not been one day when I'm like, oh, man, like I have to go to work. I'm like, man, I get to go to work. I get to go with the kids. I get to go work. I get to go do this. And I think that that's very important that you have to have that passion for it. And if not, you you really are doing a disservice to the students. You're doing a disservice to the education field, whether you're an admin to as well, because that trickles down to your staff. And then that's going to trickle down to the students. And it's going to affect people in so many different ways. So I think that that's definitely some sound advice there. Now, the podcast aspect, what would be some of your the advice that you would share with people that maybe are just kind of like, like you felt, like I felt in the very beginning, maybe that little imposter syndrome of like, where am I going to fit? You know, what would be some of the things that you'd share with them?
0: I would definitely say don't, you can take... Inspiration from other people's work and other people's bodies of work and what they're doing, but don't try to copy what someone else is doing. Be your own, be original, uh, be inspired by others, and always give them the flowers of inspiration um, and let them know that you inspired them or that you they were inspired by you. Wait, I just said that wrong. That they inspired you, <laughs> yeah. Um, but don't you know? Don't try to copy somebody else's formula because it's already been done i mean we've seen, we've seen it with tv shows like oh it's just a remake of this other show they just change the characters we see it all the time and people will see it in the podcasting field as well yeah that's also sure. yeah also um are you in this for the long run that's something you really have to think about the average expectancy of a podcast is seven episodes before it eventually just gets a flat tire and dies. So are you in it for the long run? Can you sustainably keep it up? And is it something that you want to do because maybe you're trying to make a quick buck or is it a passion? Is it something that you're passionate about? If you're trying to do it for the money, it will become a chore quicker than you can imagine and you will drop out. So Like I tell my kids all the time, whatever you're going to do, do it for the love, the money will eventually come. So do it out of love, the money will eventually come.
1: That is awesome. And that is sound advice. And, you know, for a minute there, for a while, doing this, I was like, man, you know, because you kind of start comparing yourself to others. And I have Mm -hmm. friends that are podcasters that do some great work and and for myself i kind of still see myself i really don't see where i fit in like honestly like in the last couple weeks i've been like i'm more of kind of like a talk show because we really don't hit too much on pedagogy and do that where other podcasters like man they really dive down but since that's not my background i i didn't go to school for that i i you know i i don't consider myself an expert in that yeah my thing was is i just want to connect with people kind of like the way that you do connect you know over bread you know i i want to get to know gabriel i want to get to know all my guests and just so have people know that hey these people that you follow on twitter they're just like any other people you you see them as edgy famous but man look at that they've had their struggles too look at their background that they're coming from and that that way they can draw inspiration and and just connecting people one show at a time and so as of late i'm thinking you know, I'm I'm kind of more like a talk show. I just love to interview people and get to know their stories. That's that's what I'm passionate about. You know, talk a little bit about everything and then have them share their passion. So, I mean, that's really what drives me, and 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 that's what I love to do. And like you said, I mean, I, I think like I kind of finally fell into my my niche and and in my comfort zone. And you know, like you said, and it's something that I'm passionate about. So I, I'm really happy and I'm really excited for that's awesome. the opportunity also to have you and, and get to meet people like you that have inspired me as well. And so that's been awesome. Thank you, man. I
0: appreciate it. I appreciate
1: yes, sir. It. All right, Mr. Gabriel. So if you could have a billboard with anything on it, what would it be and why?
0: The best conversations happen when we break bread with great people. That's it. That's the That's life right there. That's life right there. I mean, we've had arguments at the table. We've had great conversations, but you get to know each other better when you actually start breaking bread with them, you know? And after everyone is uh, vaccinated and we're, we're able to, to finally sit down together, uh, that's one of the things that we as a family miss. I mean, we haven't really gone out and eaten at a restaurant at a table in a very, very long time. We miss that stuff. Um, not because we miss the restaurant, we miss the experience. And that's what we need to start doing for our children is creating experiences for them. You know, they're not, they might not remember every single thing you taught them, but they're like you said, we we need to start building experiences for these students, both in and out of the classroom. And no matter what, education starts at home. I mean, it it really does. It really starts at home. So uh, we have deviceless dinners. When that, when we, you know, we sit down to, to eat dinner, we say our prayer, we talk at the dinner table, we don't touch our phones, the TV's off. Um, and we just enjoy so that's that's something that that I would definitely put on there is that the greatest conversations happen when we break bread with great people amen amen
1: definitely agree hey Tim thank you for joining we've got Tim and we've got Lainey who just joined us right now with their comments thank you so much for joining us Omar been very active Mel also big shout out to Mel all the way from Colombia as always Mel just a great supporter of all of us like it's just been great. Like it, it seems like for all of us, like we we've all connected with Mel, and you know yeah. she she's a great connector of people, by the way, and she's awesome. And of course, Tim, you know, also another another uh, podcaster that has really that I look up to as well and, and you know, just really admire the work they're doing. Lainey too, I mean, eliminate learning. So it's just really great to see the support here in the, the, our podcast circles and everything. And, you know, in our PLF, my, I love that, that. I think that would be what I would put on my billboard. It's just PLF, my personal learning family, because everybody that I connect with, I really consider them family and I'm always learning something from them. So I'm really excited about that. And let me ask you something here, too, Gabriel. If you and I could switch roles, what would you like to ask me? What's your favorite meal? Ooh, my favorite meal? I love that question. My favorite meal is going to be enchiladas rojas. Mm. Yeah, it, it's more actually it's more of like enchiladas potosinas, but we call them enchiladas rojas just because the sauce, it's not the the typical enchilada red sauce that you would use here it's more with the chile de arbol chile guajillo so it's kind of more of the almost the the chile that they use for tamal and then of course the tortilla you know nicely lightly oiled corn tortilla lightly lightly oiled yeah lightly oiled and then what i love about it is my wife does this amazing mix with queso panela Mm -hmm. or queso fresco depends on which one we have and just really grates it real fine, but what I love is that she'll also do the same thing with onion, like real fine, real small. She'll mix it both together, and it's just an explosion of flavor, lip smacking, you know, punch to the face, and it's just really good, so that I can eat every single day. Yeah, I'm the same
0: way. Uh, You know, when I grew up, you know, when my mom made enchiladas, she made them like that. They were in no way the, in Texas. I'm sorry to say, man, these these enchiladas here in Texas, at least in San Antonio, they're not enchiladas. I'm sorry. They're not Mexican. <laughs> they're Tex-Mex, but they're not Mexican. Uh, and I'll put it out there. You're going to call me out. Call me out. Let's do it. Um, but the, the ones that I grew up and they didn't have any meat in them. There was no chicken. There was no beef. It mm. was tortilla. it was the queso fresco inside. It was the sauce that my mom made. And you had to eat them right there. They didn't, and they didn't hit an oven. They don't hit an oven. No, 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 no. no. You make them, boom, you roll it up, and then you put your, your, uh, the, the white onion with the queso fresco and that's sometimes cilantro, and you put them on top and you eat them as they come. And I remember my, my mom used to have to set up her, her, uh, comal, her, her stuff outside in the backyard because it would get messy. Um, and then my, my wife and I, when we were just dating, my mom made just, enchilada after enchilada and that that's that's what i ate so uh that's that's one of those meals that that hits home and it's very personal and that's the oh, other yeah. food is just like you know the movie ratatouille when 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 yes. it takes his first bite yes takes him back to being a kid
1: it's those memories and and that's what i that love experience. man that, that passion and and again you can liken that to education i mean something that just triggers and you remember like that one teacher that had that one experience and You know, and I mentioned a story here. Like, I think one of the most uh, impactful experiences that I had was from a substitute teacher at a high school that I never forgot what he taught us, which was C. Hopkins Cafe, the seven elements of the human body or that the human needs to survive. Never forgot that moment because it was just that experience, that passion that he shared it with and things of that sort. And the same thing with food. And like you said, it just takes you back to that childhood. But I love it. Like, so my wife, she does it like on the on the sartén. Yeah. So she'll just roll them up. And like you said, it, it, I mean, as soon as they come out, I mean, you're just taking them as they come out. No oven here, oh, yeah. man. 9,000 no oven. degrees.
0: Mm-hmm. Oh, you burn no. your mouth. All your yeah. all your, uh, your taste buds are gone by the end of the day. But that's, yeah. that's the way we do it. Yeah. That's hey, uh, something on here. Uh, What's up, no? Chicken parm. I will put my chicken parm against anybody's. I'll put it out there right
1: now. Oh, there you go.
0: Shots there five. There you go. Hey, okay.
1: there you go. We might need to do a show, a live show, like set up OBS, set up the overhead cameras and everything, and let's go do a chicken parm showdown, man. Yeah. That'll be awesome. All right, my friend. So let's go ahead and see here. So what's next for Gabriel and for Bites?
0: Okay. So uh, for me, uh, for me, it's definitely pushing uh, EdTechBytes a, little, uh, a lot more, especially in Spanish, Bites in Espanol available on all podcast platforms. Make sure you check that out as well for my Spanish-speaking hint out there. Uh, I've got a great episode dropping Tuesday. Two episodes. One in English, one for the Ed Tech bites in Espanol. If anyone out there likes Hot Wings, I did a Hot Wings, if you want to call it challenge, with uh, Carl Hooker, with uh, Thomas Murray, and with... Um, brianna hodges brie hodges the other half uh, hey laney of lemonade learning so that episode's dropping tuesday we we wrap up the 2020 2021 school year with our three favorite apps for our school year and why and while eating um spicy wings and we up the ante with every wing and mm. uh in spanish i've got a great episode dropping on tuesday as well with uh dr edith edith trevino from from the valley as well we talk about uh some of our favorite apps for this school year for our for our uh, english language learners all while eating uh, tacos de bistec um i didn't have tacos de bistec i had i almost made like a carne guisada mm-hmm. um, in the crock pot all day so that's what i had um but you know we are breaking bread we're talking about um talking about the things that we love this year the three applications that we love and um you know i i will say it, i've said it in in on social media and I've had conversations with people. I'm not a fan of putting my podcast on YouTube. It took me three and a half years to do that. I struggle with it all the time for my own personal reasons, but I'm starting to do that more and more. Um, and I, I'm i gonna start doing full-blown production videos, hopefully this summer um, around food and ed tech, obviously. But that's what's on the horizon, Um, full blown productions and, uh, you know,
1: see what comes out of that and uh, keep pushing forward. That's awesome, man. Well, I can I can only foresee a lot of great shows, a lot of edgy magic, a lot of awesome sauce coming from you, Gabriel, because of your passion, the way you are, the just your refreshing honesty, just being straightforward, sharing your experiences. And that definitely helps Educators like myself, uh, you know, see things through a different perspective, which allows me to also see things around myself in a different perspective and bring those ideas too as well. And so I thank you so much for the honor, honestly, of, of you being a guest here on a show. Like I said, I've been a longtime follower, a longtime listener, and I appreciate your work and value your work and everything that you've done for just the our educator circle So I wish you the best. And I look forward to seeing all the amazing magic that you'll bring up on uh, YouTube as well. And thank you guys, all of you that joined us here. Brian, hey, Brian, Brian joined us. Uh, Of course, Lainey's here. Uh, Tim, thank you guys so much. And thank you guys for all of your support. So, guys, you know, some of you are going to be rewatching this or you're going to be listening to this again. Make sure you head over to myedtech.life, myedtech.life. You can see all our episodes there. You can go to the YouTube channel, YouTube forward slash uh, my life. sorry about that. Subscribe to our channel. You'll see the videos there too as well. And give us a like, you know, we definitely appreciate that. Give us some feedback, visit our website. I always want to know what I'm doing well, what I'm not, what I can improve on, uh, because again, this is my passion. I just want to connect educators, creators, one show at a time. So drop us a line, let us know what we can do to improve, because we definitely want to give you the best every Wednesday and every Saturday. So again, thank you so much for making my edtech life what it is. And thank you again, Gabriel. It's been a pleasure. It's been an honor. It's been an awesome, awesome conversation. Um, Again, you know, it's just, magic <laughs> love it my friend thank you so much for being here today
0: absolutely man thank you for the opportunity to be here to share um you know to talk about what we do best and, and our passions in that and I, I appreciate the opportunity man thank you
1: so much of course and always anytime you are welcome back you know being part of the plf you you always have an open invite my friend any other projects or anything that you're just like hey man i just want to talk about this or talk just drop me a line and we'll definitely make it happen all right
0: sounds good all right
1: take care everybody i appreciate every single one of you next wednesday we're gonna have uh brian carpenter who will be here fresh air at five so i'm really excited to interview him this coming wednesday so you make sure you join us on thursday we're gonna have a special thursday episode guys i know you guys been hearing about nfts a lot nfts if you want to know what nfts are Drop us, drop by on Thursday. We're going to have uh, my great friend Joshua, who actually started a company, and, I mean, he is blowing up quick. So if you're just curious about what NFTs are and maybe how this is going to play in education, you definitely want to stop by this coming Thursday as well. So we've got great shows lined up this coming week. So, again, my friends, until next time, stay techy.